Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Buzz Podcast. We're so happy that you're joining us uh, today uh, for our third episode of Season 2. And uh, my name is Father Daniele. I'm joined always by Josh Sullivan and Matt Van Milligan. Hello. And Matt, we today we have someone with higher credentials than you. We do, yeah. For the first time ever, <laughs> on we the have show. a guest on our <laughs> podcast, and it's Bishop Thomas Dowd. Bishop, welcome to you. Thank you very much. But who's the person with the higher credentials? You. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> bishop, you are the current bishop of the Diocese of Sault Ste. Marie, uh, where this podcast is filmed. And so we're happy to have you on the episode today. Thanks for being our first guest, our first guest ever in 63 episodes. You're our first guest. Wow. Thank yeah. you. And, and the people thank you, too, because they're getting tired of us. <laughs> yes. Exactly. This is a special week for you, Bishop, because uh, this coming Friday will be one year that you have been the Bishop of the Diocese of Sault Ste. Marie, so one year from your installation. So congratulations on that. Thank you very much. And just in that short year, you have made quite an impact on our diocese. You know, like you've I'll been... take your word for it. Yeah, you have. <laughs> you know, you've been a well-traveled bishop. You've been around uh, across the diocese. You've went from one end to the other right? You've spent time in parishes. That's what you're in uh, North Bay right now. You're doing a pastoral visit, right? And uh, people enjoy you because uh, I know students tell me about your the props during your homilies, uh, the way you just show up to places. I know you've toured around at uh, schools and hospitals and uh, the air base. <laughs> that was today? Yeah. Yeah, but, th- but that's, uh, that's amazing. You know, I really commend you for that because you're getting to know the local communities, you're getting to know the local people. And I think it's special for people because, I don't know, bishops don't do that. No. <laughs> hey, do they do that? This bishop does. Well, I, uh, I promised myself I was not going to be a bishop trapped behind a desk. Yeah. And I really believe in the power of just showing up. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes just showing up is amazing. You never know what's going to happen because the Holy Spirit's in charge and he works all across the diocese and people's hearts. And so I just get to uh, be a spectator sometimes just to see what the Lord is doing, which is awesome. So true. Uh, So this year you have been ordained a priest for 20 years and a bishop for 10 years, Correct. right? So uh, I know we're going to get into what, what it means to be a bishop today and all that stuff, but what was it like only being a bishop for 10 years, uh, sorry, a priest for 10 years, and then being called to be uh, a bishop? Yeah, it was, it was actually more like nine and a half when I got the call. Uh, it was not a call I was expecting, that's for sure. I, I still remember the day. It was the 4th of July, 2001, and it was a super hot day. I had done a funeral, and I was coming back from the cemetery, and just sitting in front of my air conditioner because I was still melting, you know. <laughs> and uh, we the, know the feeling. Yeah, the phone rings and it's an Ottawa number, so I pick it up and the guy on the other end says, uh, "May I speak with Father Dowd?" Speaking. Yes, I'm phoning from the Apostolic Nunciature. That's the Pope's embassy in Canada. So I'm phoning from the Apostolic Nunciature, and it's important that I see you as soon as possible. I said, "Well, who are you?" <laughs> And the fellow said, it's the nuncio, the papal ambassador. So I went, oh, how about tomorrow morning? That would be excellent. And so I just, I knew. And so I got there and sat me down and he said, the Pope has called you to be a bishop. And before I could say anything, he added, now it is true that you are young, but this is a defect time will take care of on its own. (laughs) 
wise words. So I, you know, I said, well, I don't know if I have the experience and, you know, I'm certainly not perfect. And he said, this is not a cause for canonization. So, you know, so I, I accepted and you have to write a letter to, of acceptance. And so I said, you got some paper? So I just hand wrote it right there. <laughs> right there. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So you were the auxiliary bishop of Montreal for 10 years. Right? Nine, yeah, roughly. Roughly nine years, ten, nine, and almost ten years. And then now a bishop of Sault Ste. Marie for a year. What's it like? Like you've had the experience of now moving dioceses. You know, you're the shepherd of a uh, of new a group of people, the faithful of God. Um, how, how do you adjust to a new diocese, especially like today? Because I would argue that ten years ago when you became an auxiliary bishop, in just in that ten years, our our sort of climate has changed, you know, with people um, understanding the church or understanding the role of a bishop. So how was that uh, transition for you? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, I think my experience is probably atypical in part because I moved here in the middle of a global pandemic. Yeah. That's why we're wearing masks right now, That's right. you know? <laughs> yeah. And so the difficulty, of course, is within a week of my getting here, or maybe a, a week and a couple of days, we were in lockdown. That's right. And then we had another lockdown in the spring. So you, you mentioned me getting around visiting places. There, I would have loved to have seen a lot more, quite frankly. Yeah. But uh, lockdown meant we were locked down. And so that, I'm not sure to what extent I've actually really landed yet. I'm, uh, I'm still trying to get around to see different places. Uh, I have started my week-long parish pastoral visits. That was something that I used to do in Montreal. And so I'm starting to do that now as a way to really get an in-depth view of the various communities. Next summer, I'm planning on taking my holidays in January, not just because it's cold, although that is a good reason, <laughs> but uh, because I, in the summertime, I want to be able to do the powwow trail and see the various uh, powwows in our diocese. Yeah. And as well, the census was last year, so we're going to have the results coming out this year. And so I want to do a whole sociological mapping exercise of the diocese. And the only way to do that is to get in your car and drive and see places. Right. So it's still and I'm still in the process of sort of uh, turning the soil, you know, to plant the seeds. But I mean, I, I see my role as being an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And one of the things about if you're sent as an ambassador to a country, one of the things you're supposed to do as an ambassador is build goodwill, you know, and, and showcase who you are. Talk about, not talk about yourself, talk about the king you represent. So my focus is to talk about the Lord more than about me. Uh, he's, the, he, he's the goal, right? He's, he's yeah, yeah. the king. And so, but as well to build goodwill, build friendships, build partnerships with Catholics and non-Catholics alike. So that's kind of my philosophy of how I'm trying to land in the diocese. Yeah, and you're doing a really good job because I know that uh, even with your pastoral visit up to Elliott Lake, you know, it was all over the, the media, the, the local news had covered it, you know. You're going, even your visit here in North Bay, you met with the mayor, uh, I yes. believe. <laughs> you, met, you went to visit the local synagogue. So when you say Catholics and non-Catholics, you're not just saying that. Like, that's something no, no. that you truly believe in. I've met the various parish groups at the pro-cathedral. The focus of this visit has been the pro-cathedral specifically. But I, yeah, I met the mayor, I met the president of Nipissing University, uh, I went to the mosque, North Bay Mosque, and I went to the synagogue this morning, I went to the Air Force Base. 
So trying to get a sense of it. When I, when I met with the mayor, I asked him, so what is the heartbeat of North Bay? You know, like what is it about this place that makes the, you know, the heart of North Bay pulse? And uh, we, we kind of laughed, you know, we went through, because if you look out his window, there's the ski hill. So it's like, yeah. is it that, you know? <laughs> no, but it's every place has its own culture, its yeah. own feel. And so it's about trying to get the, a sense of what that is. And so I try to be sensitive to that. And, and Elliott Lake is different from North Bay. You mentioned sure. Elliott Lake. Yeah. But I met the mayor there, and I went to different schools, including uh, some people were surprised. I went to a public school. I'm very open to visiting that. You know, if, uh, if I go to synagogues and mosques, surely I can visit a public school, you know? Yeah. And so here in North Bay, on a previous visit, I also had a chance to visit the... Uh, Indigenous Friendship Center, which was really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I visited a food bank, and and so different things that I've been able to see. It it'll take time. I can't see everybody all at once, but again, trying to get the pulse of the place is the uh, the key goal. And that's a big goal, especially for being specifically. I mean, because we're in Canada, we're Northern Ontario specifically. Those are, that's a big area to cover. Like I remember talking to some people when they they talk about going across a diocese, they they sometimes talk about. Oh, it's almost two hours to go across their diocese. Whereas, and for you, it's you're you're looking at a couple of hours, you know, uh, like was it probably seven hours, eight hours at least? Well, I, I checked, and it turns out that the Archdiocese of Montreal yeah. is the smallest diocese in Canada <laughs> in terms of territory. Yeah. Okay. However, given Montreal traffic, it could still take a few hours to get across. <laughs> to get across. Yeah. So yeah, but when I was assigned here, one of my brother bishops sent me an email saying, "Congratulations, Tom. I hope." you like your car yeah (laughs) so uh so i bought a new car that's one of the things i got when i got here well one of the things too that you've used quite uh, i think that you're well known for is your social media stuff like the way that you can reach out is not just from your car and going and seeing like you do do that you drop in and you're able to see but also through social media it's a great way of being able to reach the rest of your flock right is that is that would that be safe to say that you uh are you have your Facebook, you have your uh, social media presence there? Yeah, I have some presence. I would like to amplify that. Yeah. Uh, one thing that's been challenging in COVID is, and many businesses are experiencing this, uh, a hiring shortage. How do you mm-hmm. find people with talent and skill? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can sit at my phone and send a tweet. That's easy. Yeah, yeah. But to be able to keep that up regularly, to be also, always be thinking about it. But my goal is not so much to be using social media i've always believed that these are meant at their best yeah these are tools to build communion that's right these are tools so that people can connect with each other yeah it's the social part of the media that's more important for me than the media part and so the extent to which like i've seen social media accounts where you get the impression that all they're doing is putting out advertising you know that's right yeah no no. <laughs> that's not that's not me. Uh, when I started my blog in 2003, I, I had a blog for a time as mm-hmm. a priest. So it was the first blog by a Canadian Catholic priest back in 2003. And I started it because a lot of people would come up to me in the parish and say, what does a priest do all day? <laughs> we, we see you on Sunday, but what do you do during the rest of the week? It was a big mystery. You work on Saturday night and Sunday, Just right? Isn't that yeah, we yeah. sleep in every day or something. So I knew that life was really interesting and in fact expect the unexpected yeah so i i my philosophy was one post once per day on something that happened that day yeah and so it was a time of experimentation and learning and uh i mean 
it really worked because you wound up building a community. Nowadays, we call them followers or a fan base or whatever. Yeah. But no, it was really a, a group of people who supported and were interested. And when were, they were given a call to action, they responded. Yeah. And so I and I would occasionally meet people who would say, oh, I, I, yeah, I read your blog. Like I traveled once to the States and somebody said, hey, you that Canadian priest with a blog? I thought, oh, my gosh, <laughs> what's happening here? I even had one young man say to me that uh, he was thinking about the priesthood and being able to see the life of a priest from the inside. Yeah. Encouraged him to go into seminary. And he's a priest today. Wow. So. Thanks be to God. You know, you put it out there and see what the Holy Spirit does. But yeah, my, sure. my theme was joy. Yeah. This is a good life. It's a meaningful life. Let's put it out there. You know, let's, uh, let's, there's, there's enough bad news in the world. You know, why yeah. not, why not have sure. some good news out there? Well, Bishop, I'm glad you mentioned bad news because uh, <laughs> I'm going to turn the tables on you a little bit because, you know, with you on social media, yes, you're reaching out to people. You're also leaving yourself vulnerable a little bit, right? Uh, we were talking about today's climate with the church. You know, a lot of people angry with the church today. A lot of people angry with bishops, uh, angry with priests, uh, just the institution of the church. Really? You yeah. know, so oh, you cool. being present on social media must be receiving criticisms in the comment sections or uh, maybe people retweeting or reposting your posts and adding their own commentary to it. How do, you know, and there's lots to be mad at <laughs> at the church right now in, in the eyes of many people, mm -hmm. right? How do you, how do you deal with that as a bishop? You know, because you are an ambassador for Jesus because that's like, like you said. So how, how do you continue to be an ambassador for Jesus when people are so angry or criticize you for maybe something that maybe you didn't do, but that you represent. Well, we, we need to break the question down a bit. Yeah. Uh, if you go to the early days when the only social media was email lists, they already we started to see some terms emerge, like spam for junk email, yeah. uh, flame wars for when mm -hmm. conversations became really heated and people were just going at each other, trolling. Yeah. where, you know, people would just throw out negative comments to provoke a reaction. Uh, that sort of thing was already there. And one term that I remember, because, again, I was involved way back when, uh, is the concept of the lurkers. So the lurkers are the nine-tenths of the people who are simply reading and observing. And if they see the kind of commentary going back and forth, they don't engage but they're spectators to it, and they're curious to see how this is going to unfold. Now, sometimes mm -hmm. it's a morbid curiosity, but oftentimes it's people who are genuinely interested, and when the negativity comes, they kind of freak out, and they would, they would want to intervene, but they're worried about getting the flame burning them as well. So there's this group called the Lurkers, and so for me, whenever there's been any kind of controversy on, on a blog post or social media, I try and consider the lurkers. Mm -hmm. So I'm, my job is to pastor people. And so, uh, you know, my job is not necessarily to convince the troll. <laughs> that may not happen. Right. But yeah. the thing is, when you have a troll or a flame war starting... First of all, on any social media, if I saw a flame war emerging between people who were commenting, I would step in and say, let's not forget that this is my site and yeah. I don't want people attacking each other. It's not acceptable. Yeah. Uh, 
if they attack me, that's different. But if they're attacking each other, there's no way I'm going to tolerate that. Yeah. And that was one of my ground rules from the get-go. If there were criticisms being made of the church uh, or of me personally for you know some pastoral choice that I had made, then I would engage and respond, sometimes knowing that it was bait, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. knowing that I was being baited. Of course. But I would do it because of the lurkers, because they're the ones who are curious, who are trying to learn. They're trying to enter into the experience that I'm sharing, and they want to see you know, how is this going to happen? Again, not just because of morbid curiosity, but they genuinely want to know. And so if you can respond with truth and charity, you actually build up people and you build up that connection of trust that's with them. So I don't see that sort of thing as necessarily bad. Mm -hmm. And usually the trolls, when they see that you're trampolining off their comment in order to promote... (laughs) the good even more yeah they usually go away and if all they do is keep trolling eventually other people start commenting the troll attacks them and then i step in and say i shut it down i say okay yeah you can attack me but i won't tolerate it on anybody else and who's following here so bye-bye maybe continuing on the theme of you know engaging people in a meaningful way i'm sure that some people are (laughs) very comfortable with the idea of a bishop just kind of behind a desk that, you know, that we like a bishop as an abstract idea that, you know, doesn't really challenge us directly, doesn't encounter us um, directly. Uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about was the the upcoming synod on, on synodality, which um, uh, at, at a superficial level, it sounds kind of funny, this a synod on synodality. Like it's, Very funny. It's yeah. almost something out of like a, like a Dick, <coughs> Dickens novel that it's like, um, you know, how, how bureaucratic can you get to have a synod on synodality? Because right. I'm talking about like, it's like a meet, having a meeting about meetings. Um, uh, <laughs> it, it kind of is. Yeah, it kind of is. Going back to like the, the, the meaning of synod as just kind of like finding a common path or finding a common way together. Um, uh, there's there's a bit of buzz happening because the, it was kicked off in October, I believe. Yeah, October um, in Rome, especially. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's 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 a long process. Or it's it's a longer synodal process than than we're we're used to in kind of uh, recent years. Um, but there's the buzz that's happening so far is that there, there's not a lot of uh, clarity about um, what the expected outcome is because it's you know normally we have a synod on a specific issue or a specific. Um, area of life, but when you're talking about a synod on synodality, this could bear on all kinds of things. It could bear on, you know, the structure of the church, the the, the governance, you know, how uh, how things are communicated, how decisions are made. Um, so, uh, I'm I'm interested, um, uh, and just maybe w- what your take is on the, the synod process itself, and maybe maybe what. What some of your and kind of hopeful outcomes what are? What is a synod for those people who don't oh, yeah. know, right? Because we, we, I mean, we're right. talking about it, but like, why do we have them? What are they? What what's mm. what's the purpose behind them? But then, exactly what yeah. you're saying, you know, like how do? You, so. Yeah, well, a synod. Uh, I mean, the term synod is a general term. It comes from the Greek, and it basically means meeting. So it is kind of a meeting yeah. about meetings that we're having. But <laughs> uh, the synod of bishops, literally. Um, means a gathering of bishops. This particular body was created by Saint Paul VI, Pope Paul VI, who is mm-hmm. now a saint, uh, right after the Vatican, Second Vatican Council, or in the context of it, uh, because 
here we had the situation where 2,000 bishops had been meeting for four years and it had been an extraordinary experience of the spirit of connecting with each other, of communion. And they thought, how do we keep this going? And so the Pope proposed to have these meetings of bishops who were delegated by their countries to come together. And so you might have 300 at a meeting, not 2,000, but still, that's a, that's a good Big chunk. chunk. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so the, you, it's, a, it's sort of a critical mass to get certain issues. And because the topic is decided in advance, then the home countries can elect bishops that they feel have some connection to the subject. And so the idea is hopefully you're bringing together mm -hmm. experts. Uh, in addition, you have representatives of religious orders, you have theological experts, university deans, you have uh, uh, ecumenical delegates, and you can have plenty of lay delegates based on the subject. Mm -hmm. And so really a, a synod is a remarkable experience of talking and sharing and praying together on a subject. I was blessed to be a delegate to the mm -hmm. last synod, the mm -hmm. last global one, which was the Synod on Youth. Mm -hmm. So why was I elected? Well, probably because, you know, I, at the moment, I'm still the second youngest bishop mm -hmm. in Canada, even after 10 years, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. duh, like it, it, <laughs> it, it, it makes sense. You, you find people who have something to bring, right? Yeah. So, interestingly, at the conclusion of that Synod, and we had that same amazing experience of journeying together uh, our small group sessions were amazing. The youth delegates were as participating as cardinals. You know, we were all on a very, I'd say, egalitarian footing. You know, we were, the, the, the measure of respect for one another was extraordinary. And I mean, even the Pope joined us for coffee breaks, you know, mm -hmm. so it was, yeah. it was a, a really great moment flowing from the heart. And so how we were thinking, how do we keep this union going? The Pope always asks at the end of a synod, what do you think the next synod should be on? So we suggest topics and synodality itself was suggested, not because we wanted to have a meeting on meetings, <laughs> but because we wanted to have a meeting on the spirit that animates these gatherings of people who love the church and want to see it mm -hmm. grow and progress. How could we take that spirit and see it flow out into the universal church. In other words, it's not really a synod on synodality, it's a synod on Pentecost. Mm -hmm. and, so, and you say it's not just, just specifically bishops or cardinals or whatnot, but you do have lay people, and then for, in fact, for like the youth, you had youth delegates and you had people. So it's a way of the church kind of, I, I'm gonna say get to, the, get to the war front or get to the ground floor with everybody that's gonna be participating in certain things like youth, then they have everybody that involves youth in the church. Well, here, here's the thing. Uh, in the early church, when Jesus was starting his ministry, he had two fundamental layers. He had the disciples, mm -hmm. which is the broad group of men and women, and then from them he chose 12. Mm -hmm. Those mm -hmm. are the apostles. And they were disciples too, but they were chosen for a special mission. And yeah. so the fundamental layers today are the, the faithful, the baptized faithful, and then among them, a few who are ordained, mm -hmm. right? And the successors of the apostles are bishops. Mm -hmm. So we still have the same mm -hmm. basic structure. Yeah. But here's the thing, the Holy Spirit, how many people were there in the upper room at Pentecost? If you look at paintings of Pentecost, mm -hmm. you often see the 12 apostles with the Virgin Mary. Yeah. In fact, the Acts of the Apostles says there were 120 people there. Yeah. So the majority <laughs> of people who received the Spirit at Pentecost 
were the the, the disciples, mm. the the regular quote unquote faithful. Yeah, yeah. Yes, the apostles were there. Yes, the Virgin Mary was there. We were all in it together. And so the the fundamental intuition behind synodality, the fundamental idea, is that the Holy Spirit is given to the church, individual church members, mm. and that spirit. It's easier to hear the voice of the Spirit when you're talking together. You get a bunch of people who pray and love the church and have been reflecting on a common theme, and suddenly the same ideas are all popping up and the same concerns. We realize the Spirit is speaking Mm -hmm. through the signs of the times. The Spirit is speaking through the common concerns. Now, it doesn't mean you get to switch off your brain. And the bishops still need to be bishops. So we still need to discern. If somebody's Mm -hmm. coming along saying, and, you know, we think to solve the problems, we need to add a fourth person to the Trinity... Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to press the stop button on that yeah, one, and yeah, that's course. okay, you know, yeah. because we we have our role to play as well. But the the idea is between disciples, apostles, it's like the skeleton and the muscles in a body. The the bishops, the ordained ministry gives it structure, but the muscles make it move. Yeah, that's a good idea. And yeah. so what is the Pope trying to do with this synod on synodality? He's trying to get the church to move. Hmm. Yeah. You know, hmm. and... Uh, I, I could tell you, synods could be messy. Yeah, yeah. and I, well, I think that's one of the criticisms too. Yeah. Uh, that, I'm, that, that you know, you see online. We're talking about online. People are saying that this is another opportunity for you know the people who criticize Pope Francis or whatever. They'll say this is another opportunity for Pope Francis to really change the church and make us what they'll say like more like the Protestant churches who have. Uh, yeah. more Meanwhile, the Orthodox churches have synods and they've been doing regular synods yeah. for <laughs> centuries. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was going to no. say that um, that Acts reference is, I, I think, a wonderful response to people who would say it, like because th- this synod specifically is is seeking a much kind of broader consultation process with with laity and with um than than synods typically do so you know some of the concern or some of the commentary is saying okay well this is we're turning into the church of public opinion or we're turning it we're we're we're, um not resting on kind of the normal magisterial structure of the church as so much as you know we're we're just getting a feel for what people want or like saying it's it's more of a populist church but saying like recognizing that the the spirit is moving um, you know, in, in, uh, and then that's how uh, it, those in, just in terms of numbers, like yeah. uh, mm-hmm. a, a broader well, cross well, section of the Well, here's the thing. If we restrict our conversations to things that we're comfortable with, yeah. then sometimes we're going to miss out on really important discussions. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we, I mean, who around here, you know, thinks that, uh, my understanding is that even the majority of Protestants today think the Protestant Reformation wasn't necessarily a good mm-hmm. idea. Like, if it could have been avoided, that would have been better, you know? Yeah. Right. But what happened, you know? Who was actually engaging the issues of the day? And, and the church had issues back then. Yeah. So we need to... It's not just about solving this or that problem. It's about unleashing the dynamism of the Holy Spirit. You mentioned mm-hmm. consultation, but the Synod on Youth had very broad consultation. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, the Synod the on the Family, family actually had another Synod the year before to yeah. prepare the actual one. <laughs> so Pope Francis has been, been highlighting this methodology already quite a bit. The consultation phase is really not new. No, um, It's about... My concern about it, I will admit I have a concern, and that is if you're doing a synod on the family, people pretty much know what a family Mm -hmm. is. You don't have to explain what a family is. Mm -hmm. You're doing a synod on youth, people know what youth is. You don't have to explain what the subject is. Synod on synodality, we scratch our heads a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
you know. So we have a, a lot more of a, a fa educational phase, which means that we may get a lot more commentary on completely unrelated mm. stuff, and it'll get turned get into a in bit mud. of a grab bag, you know, yeah, or yeah. like let's just shove Spin every topic we have, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that, again, that's where guys like me, my job is to help sift through that, yeah. and because I've been to a synod, I like to think I have some sense of how to do that. Yeah. yeah. That's great. I think I think that that really for me, anyways, because there was a lot of questions there. But as you said, the way that the Holy Spirit works and having extra people involved, seeing those same topics pop up in those small groups and those same things, and that's obviously the way that the church is, the way the Holy Spirit can move the church. Say, okay, this is what I need you to deal with, you know, and so that's where then we can go. We can actually move in a forward direction instead of being i mean it's for me it's a way of just saying that you know what the church isn't stagnant the church isn't mm. you know what i mean we have very specific things that we believe and those won't change and i love that about the church but in as topics come up this is how the church handles it this is how the holy spirit guides the church through these I'm not even going to say murky waters because not even that, but like in the murky times of society and everything else, that's how the church does it. Mm. It's great. I love like that. That kind of just gave me a renewed hope. I think in the synod, you know what I mean? Like that. If that makes sense, I I did I knew the process, but I didn't quite understand it uh, to the fullest content. I think. In this past weekend, churches in our diocese of Sault Ste. Marie had uh, explained the synod uh, in their parishes, right? And part of it, uh, your letter that you released to, to the parishioners of uh, the faithful of the diocese says that in January, there's going to be a consultation process with parishioners. Like, So all parishes will choose uh, a group of parishioners from, I guess, young to old, Bishop? Uh, to Yeah, well, I, I suspect many parishes have a pastoral council, for example, which already has an advisory role. I, I don't know that we need to reinvent the wheel. Right. I think we want to be open, mm -hmm. you know, so that anybody... I, I already get letters from people saying, <laughs> here's what I think the city right. needs to look right. at. Yes. So, and I'm okay with that. Sure. I'm fine with that. Send yeah. it in. Uh, but the idea is to provide people with a, a kind of questionnaire or something that is a structured discussion. I, I wouldn't want to just have a web form that people fill out. I think of course not. Yeah. synodality means working together. And so you have to get a group where people will pray, people will discuss. It's got to be people who have some, you know, some knowledge of each other and trust. Uh, so if parishes already have those groups, I don't want to reinvent the wheel. Let's use that. Right. And and parishes and uh, perhaps other institutions, we're, we are reflecting on, for example, how can we engage the school system? I'm not the guy to answer that. I'm from Quebec, and now that I'm in Ontario, I'm still learning the school system. But we have a small team at the diocese, and hopefully we can come up with something creative for that. We don't have a huge window of time because our reports have to be collated, and then it has to go to another level and another level, and that's where the bureaucra bureaucratic mm -hmm. dimension comes in, unfortunately. But uh, if we can at least get the process going, like for me, synodality is not about changing the structures mm -hmm. of the governance model or, mm -hmm. no. you know. Well, we talked about parish visits. Me coming to the pro-cathedral and visiting with people and talking with people. For me, that's synodality already. Mm -hmm. Those are elements yeah, of sense. synodality yeah. already. Yeah. And so that's the kind of thing that I want to encourage as a method of pastoral leadership. And I think that may be something that comes out of the synod, how the, the nature of pastoral leadership and pastoral engagement can be more open, receptive, listening, hmm. etc. That would be a big win. Hmm. 
Bishop, uh, we're going to move uh, just quickly for our last few minutes here of the podcast. Um, next week was supposed to be a delegation from Canada of the Indigenous Peoples. We're supposed to be meeting uh, next Monday with Pope Francis at the Vatican. Now, of course, uh, you know, increasing cases of, of COVID and the Omicron uh, variant. Omicron, is that what it's called? Omicron, yeah. Omicron, yeah. It's a Greek letter, yeah. Greek, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Greek letter. The, the next Greek letter. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. we're going through so it. So that has postponed <laughs> this delegation. And I, I know that you had said previously when this was announced that this could be uh, an important step uh, obviously in this process of reconciliation so what happens now like now that this is postponed obviously this will delay the pope's visit uh, to canada maybe so where where's your heart at with this situation and this postponement well i i i mean i'm disappointed of course obviously uh i think it would have been great to see but it will still be great to see yeah. And, you know, it, it's not being postponed because, you know, somebody's annoyed or upset. It's being postponed because there's a deadly virus <laughs> ravaging the globe. Right. So, you know, I think we get it. Yeah. Uh, regardless of, you know, what will happen with Rome and other things, those are important steps. And those were steps that are part of the truth and reconciliation call to action. There are mm -hmm. calls to action from the report. And those are great. But there's still all the other calls to action and other things we can do within our church and within society and so it's not like everything else needs to ground to a halt i mean for myself one thing that i've recently done is i i took a five session course on uh, in uh, anishinaabemwin so the ojibwe language just to try and learn a bit of the grammar and try and understand every every language has a mentality behind it, has a whole culture behind it, a, mm -hmm. a new way to think. And I love learning that. I love discovering that. My dad spoke 13 languages at one point in his life. Wow. I know, 13. I, can wow. you believe it? I remember as a kid going to a Chinese restaurant, my dad's ordering in Chinese and chatting with the waiter. <laughs> like, what is happening here? You know? <laughs> but uh, so to be able to discover that for me is... If I'm an ambassador, I, I need to know. I mentioned, you know, visiting powwows and what have you or visiting the Friendship Center. I'm from southern Quebec. I, I need to learn. And I'm very grateful to all those who are helping me to learn, yeah. including, you know, many members in the uh, indigenous community. So I'm just very grateful for that. And I'd like to see, you know, our own local initiatives move forward. And I'm hoping even that the Synod on Synodality may suggest ways for us to walk together. Yeah. There's, a, there's a great phrase that comes from Indigenous leadership. Nothing about us without us. That's synodality. Yeah. <laughs> right there. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. synodality. That's an expression. It's not the whole thing, but it's, it's an expression of something that is in our own DNA as church. Maybe we need to help rediscover that and the whole reconciliation, truth and reconciliation. That's, that's awfully Catholic to yeah, me, you know, as phrase. I'm very open to it. If we can, through, even through these, you know, issues the church faces, learn to be more faithful to the best of who we are and more faithful to Jesus Christ, who is the best of who we are, then it's a win. Amen to that. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we've come to that time where uh, that's the uh, pretty much the end of our episode here. 
Um, but uh, Bishop, I wanted to uh, thank you for making time to be on our podcast today. My because, pleasure. Uh, thank we you. Appreciate the words you shared and the, just the the spirit you shared here with us too. You know, you brought some. Uh, some clarity to some situations that we've we've asked you about, and and just some to light see bulbs your, turned on, yeah, yeah, just to see your <laughs> insight and see uh, a little glimpse into the look of your ministry, you know, that I think has been really helpful for us. Hopefully, for those who are watching and listening, too. If you have any questions uh, for uh, anything that was said on this podcast today, you can contact us at the Catholic Buzz Podcast at gmail.com or you can go to our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram and leave your comments there, of course, like the bishop said, with charity, right? <laughs> and, we, and we send all the non-charitable comments to Matt. Yeah. Matt deals, Matt, with, Matt all deals with all that. I have a, yeah. I have a folder comments. for those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a huge folder. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just wondering, maybe at the end of this episode, we have our bishop here. Um, and maybe, Bishop, you can give a special blessing to those who are watching or listening today to this podcast. Well, sure. Why don't we actually just take a time of prayer together? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we ask you, we thank you for gathering us together, gathering us here in this room and gathering all those who will be watching this program, listening to this program. We ask you to bless us with hearts that are open to receive one another, to listen to one another, and especially to love one another. And we ask this through the special intercession of St. Joseph, the one who was the guardian of Jesus and the Holy Family, the one who was entrusted to teach the young man Jesus what is the image of the Father, so that as he matured and got to know his Heavenly Father in the depths of his heart, he had a human face to associate with his Abba. And so, Lord, may you bless us and bless all of those who are watching us in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. Uh, my name is Father Daniele, and for Josh Sullivan and Matt Van Milligan and Bishop Dowd, we'll see you <laughs> next time on The Catholic Buzz. <laughs> <laughs>